Welcome to Murder Minute. On today's episode, Michelle Leanne Morgan. But first, your true crime headlines. Authorities in Central Florida are looking for answers after three friends were found brutally murdered at a local lake while fishing late Friday night. The victims were identified as 23-year-old Damian Tillman, 30-year-old Kevin Springfield, and 27-year-old Brandon Rollins. The three friends had gone to catch catfish at the local fishing spot when they were killed, according to the Polk County Sheriff's Office. At around 10 p.m., in the moments before he died, Brandon Rollins was able to call his father, but only managed to say, help. His father quickly jumped into his car and went to where his son had told him that he was going fishing. In a press release, the sheriff's office said, when he arrived, he found his son Brandon barely alive and his two friends deceased. Brandon was able to say a few things to his dad but they are not releasing them at this time. Rollins' father had left his cell phone at home, so he went to a nearby gas station to call 911. But when authorities arrived at the scene, all three men were dead. Polk County Sheriff Grady Judd said Saturday that they believe Tillman traveled to the lake first, and that when Rollins and Springfield arrived, Tillman was being beaten by unknown attackers. When Rollins and Springfield intervened to help their friend, they were shot. So far, no arrests have been made. The Polk County Sheriff's Office is offering $5,000 for information that leads to an arrest. An argument inside of a Los Angeles grocery store turned violent after a man refused to wear a face covering. Masks are required by Los Angeles County as part of efforts to stop the spread of COVID-19. A Ralph's employee told the man that he was required to wear a face covering inside or leave the store. Witnesses say that the man refused, started yelling, and began ramming the employee with a shopping cart. Another employee intervened, using pepper spray to incapacitate the man, and called the police. Cell phone video taken just after the incident shows the man sitting on the ground surrounded by spilled milk, which appeared to have been used to wash out his eyes. Paramedics took the man to the hospital as a precaution. It is not clear if he will face criminal charges. A South Carolina man faces multiple attempted murder charges following a shooting that police say happened after an argument about alcohol at a private party. The incident happened around 1.30 a.m. when deputies say 31-year-old Tyler Channing Hill opened fire on the Jewels Lounge in Northwest Columbia. The owner told Hill that he couldn't bring in alcohol after 11 p.m. and asked him to leave. That's when witnesses say that Hill got angry, went to his car, and fired several shots toward the building hitting one person in the upper body. Bystanders rushed the victim to the hospital, and Hill was arrested at his home early Friday morning. He faces six counts of attempted murder and possession of a weapon during a violent crime. Those are your true crime headlines. Up next, Michelle Leanne Morgan. But first, 
a quick break. In difficult times, it can be difficult to cope. And if you've been thinking about talking to someone, you're not alone. It's time to get better help. Better help is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. Better help is professional counseling done securely online. Better help will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist so that you can start communicating in under 24 hours. The service is available for clients worldwide. Just log into your account anytime and send a message directly to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, schedule weekly video or phone sessions so that you don't ever have to sit in a waiting room. Perfect for social distancing. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change your counselor if you need to. Plus, BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read the testimonials for yourself. Like this one, written by a BetterHelp user after counseling with Laura Pasker for four weeks. Laura is so helpful with my type of personality. I thrive with challenge and honest feedback, and she handles me well when I want to revert back to my comfort zones. I feel really respected and valued when I speak with her. Or this one about Melissa Borski. I really like working with her. I think she understood my learning style very quickly, and so she gives me resources I can use to work with things outside of the chat. You can tell she's paying attention. Visit betterhelp.com slash murderminute. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. And join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Murder Minute listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash murderminute. Betty Broderick thought that she had the perfect life and the perfect marriage until one day in 1989, it all came crashing down. The once traditional housewife murdered her ex-husband and his new wife. From the Los Angeles Times comes a new true crime podcast. It was simple, The Betty Broderick Murders, hosted by award-winning writer and reporter Pat Morrison. If you're a longtime Murder Minute listener, you may remember Betts, the San Diego Stepford wife who took till death to his part, quite literally. Betty Broderick became something of a hero to any woman who had invested decades into a marriage only to find herself replaced by a younger model. Betts never got over it. And 30 years later, neither have we. Now take a deep dive and hear from new voices from the years surrounding the murders 
who spotlight all the critical and controversial points. Divorce, family, insanity, female powerlessness and wealth that still make this case stand out in contemporary American society. Every episode will have you asking yourself, how would I react if my relationship split up like this? Is there anything that would drive me to murder? Join Pat in discovering why this 30-year-old case still gets us today. After 30 years, five bullets, two coffins, and one California prison inmate who's still not sorry. Why can't we look away from Betty Broderick? Every binge-worthy episode of It Was Simple, The Betty Broderick Murders is available now. So download it today from wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Murder Minute. On August 9th, 1961, eight-year-old George Morgan and his little sister Michelle, who had just turned four, were playing outside their rural home near Mascouda, Illinois. Their father, Billy Morgan, was in the military and was stationed at nearby Scott Air Force Base. Their new stepmother, Mary Ray Morgan, met their father while he was in Scotland, married him, and immigrated to Illinois the previous year, in 1960. That Wednesday, little Michelle made a mistake, and her stepmother Mary became enraged, accusing her of lying about something that George would later describe as, quote, so trivial that he couldn't remember what it was. Mary grabbed Michelle and dragged her to an outside rinse tub. Over and over again, she held Michelle's head under the water. Then, she dragged the child inside the house. George watched through an open doorway as their stepmother forced his little sister to lay down on the floor. Tell me what you did or I'm going to stomp you, she said. Whatever Michelle replied, it wasn't good enough for Mary. She stomped her foot into the four-year-old girl's abdomen again and again and again. George later said that his sister's tiny body bounced on the floor like a rag doll. Later at the dinner table, Michelle vomited blood clots. Mary told her to eat them. George urged his sister to do as their stepmother commanded. You know how she is, he warned his sister. You better do what she says. As Michelle tried to do as she was told, their father returned and told her mercifully to stop. The next day, George and Michelle were at a friend's house when Michelle complained that her legs were weak. 
she collapsed and was taken to the hospital at Scott Air Force Base. Two days later, on August 11, 1961, Michelle died of her injuries. When his sister didn't come home, George asked his father if Michelle had died. His father told him that she had. But despite clear evidence of extensive trauma and a military panel's ruling that Michelle had been beaten to death, no investigation was conducted. Decades later, George, who was now in his 40s and serving a prison sentence for rape, began researching his family tree and noticed his sister's death certificate. Fifteen years after her murder, someone had listed Michelle's cause of death as pneumonia. George wrote to the county coroner, Rick Stone, and explained what had really happened to his little sister, and that their stepmother Mary had regularly abused them. His letter was brought to the attention of the authorities, and in 1996, Michelle's case was reopened. Their father, Billy Morgan, denied the abuse and said that his son was lying to reduce his sentence. He claimed that he didn't remember how his daughter Michelle died and that he never questioned his wife about it. There was no reason to go into detail or anything, he said. She was gone. But U.S. Air Force records told a different story. In the last year of her life, Michelle had been treated for 20 separate injuries at the base hospital. Mary had claimed that Michelle suffered the multiple injuries during numerous fainting episodes. Doctors became concerned that Michelle might have epilepsy. So they admitted the child to the hospital for a month to monitor her symptoms. But Michelle suffered no fits during her stay, and according to hospital staff, screamed and cried whenever her stepmother came to visit her. But no one intervened. The autopsy performed at the time of Michelle's death in 1961 showed that the four-year-old had two healed rib fractures, a brain hemorrhage, and injuries to her leg and head, and that her cause of death was massive trauma to the chest. Three years later, an internal Air Force inquiry concluded that Michelle had been the victim of the then newly recognized Battered Child Syndrome. But military and civilian authorities couldn't agree on who should investigate the case because of a dispute over whether it was a civilian or a military matter. The U.S. Air Force wanted nothing to do with it. They claimed that as the child was a civilian dependent and the incident occurred at their family home, which was off base, 
it was a civil matter. Investigators also discovered hospital records that showed that in the years after Michelle's death, Mary's other four children had collectively visited the hospital over 150 times for medical care, all before the age of five. In December of 1996, Michelle's body was exhumed. The first thing they noticed were her tiny, broken ribs. Though the body had been buried for over 30 years, it still bore the marks of Mary's abuse. Mary Morgan, now a 56-year-old grandmother, was tracked down in Texas. She and her husband had been working there as missionaries for the Christian Center Assembly of God Church in West Columbia and were well known in the community for their devotion to their family and their work with orphaned children in Mexico. After a brief failed attempt at fleeing the country, Mary was arrested. She now faced a possible death penalty by lethal injection if convicted of first-degree murder. So, her legal team arranged a plea bargain. Involuntary manslaughter with a maximum penalty of eight years in prison. Her lawyer, Burton Shostak, said, She decided to take the deal because it would be better for her to get this behind her and to take enormous pressure off her husband and other children. She is very sad that she lost the child, he added. She is remorseful of the fact that it all happened and what it cost her other family members. Mary Ray Morgan pleaded guilty and was sentenced to just five years in prison. I'm glad she's finally admitted it, George said. Michelle's memory can be laid to rest. Mary was released in 2001. This has been Murder Minute. For true crime anytime, download the Murder Minute app or follow us on Instagram at Murder Minute.